0: Okay, Hebra, we are up to the fifth prophetess which is Abigail and what we are really doing is going through the source that the oral Torah that the Torah Shabal Prev brings proving that she was a prophetess and extrapolating from that event the unique way that Abigail connected to God through prophecy and thus the inspiration and the lesson and the guide and the path that she continuously offers for all of us. Now there's a big story behind the story before we read the little part that the Gemara quotes. This story happened shortly after the passing of Shmuel HaMelech. And last week when we spoke about Chana, the Apostlech that records Chana's prophetic powers was in her words of thanksgiving, that she thanked God for the son Shmuel, and she alluded to the fact, through prophecy, that Shmuel will anoint future kings with a horn, which is extremely significant because we spoke about eternity, we spoke about real eternity, which is a gift that God gave to us, observant Jews. And king, the monarchy, has in it an expression of Hashem's eternity because the household of David, and that's uniquely only Malchus, based David, is a, is a home, is a family that the kings will always come from them. Has been a 2,000 year break even though, really, it wasn't 2,000 years, because throughout our Golo's time, the greatest of leaders came from the house of David, and even though we don't view them as kings by them having a crown on their head, or by them living in a palace, but we do consider the ultimate spiritual leaders, like a Rebbe, as a king. Many people actually called the Rebbe their king in the context of that we are completely in submission in doing what the Rebbe wants for us to do. Which is the concept of a king. People bow down to a king. We put our heads down in front of a king. So I want to speak about the fact. Shmuel anointed David HaMilch. We know the story. He was told by God to anoint. He came to the house of Yishai. Yishai, up until this point, tragically, tragically, thought that David was a bastard. I have to be clear. What happened was is that Yishai's wife decided that even though she had many children with him, that maybe she's not allowed to be married to him. I'm sorry, I take that back. Yishai decided that he might not be allowed to be married to his wife because Yishai's grandmother, Ruth was a convert from the nation of Moab. When God gave the Torah, he told Moshe Rabbeinu many laws that were forgotten. One of the laws that were forgotten is that even though it says in the Torah that we're never allowed to accept converts that came that come from the nation of Moab, God was only referring to the males and not the females. So there was a nation that were not allowed to accept converts if even if they come, only the males. We never needed to remember that law because the Moabites hated the Jews that much, they never wanted to convert. So we forgot that if they do come, it's only restricting the men and not the women. So when many years later, when Ruth came, who was a Moabite, and we knew that, the learned people knew that we are allowed to accept her and she converted, but the masses of people and even some of the sages were not certain. They felt that she was not allowed to convert. She was not Jewish. Now understand that if Boaz, no, other words, was not allowed to have a union with her because if she did not convert, then one was not allowed to be with her, a Jewish man was not allowed to be with her, then that line would have been a tainted, genealogically tainted line. Yishai was married to a bona fide Jewish woman. He had with her, if I'm not mistaken, 10 sons, certainly many sons. And at a certain point, he decides, I'm going to be machmer. Maybe I am of tainted lineage. I cannot be married to my wife. Being machmer. But well, he wants to be married to someone. So there was a, a, a woman that came from a family of slaves that converted to Judaism. If such a woman is not restricted with whom she can marry. A, a Jewish man, even of tainted lineage, can marry her. And he decided, Yishai, that he's going to marry that, that lady. That woman, for whatever reason, didn't tell Yishai you're doing something wrong she didn't tell it to him no you should stay married to your to your wife she didn't tell it to him but she behaved that way so at the night of that marriage even though Yishai thought that he's going to be with his new wife Rachel and Leah repeated itself the same exact story and Yishai had a relation with his wife of youth Yishai did not know that Yishai thought he had a relation with his new wife. Three months later, his wife is pregnant. He did not divorce her yet. That means she was a married woman. That means if she's pregnant, he thought it was not from him. So then the status of that child is a mamzer. Imagine Nebach, a child being born with the father thinking that he's a mamzer. Mm-hmm. The darkness that he grew up in. Why
1: didn't she disclose it, at least tell long... him?
0: I don't know. More details is not negative, but that's what happened. Many, many years later, David HaMelech is in his 20s and God tells Shmuel, go and anoint Yeshai's child as the future king. Not just the future king, the monarchy of Mashiach comes from David. It was that important. The greatest accomplishment of the life of Shmuel was that he anointed David HaMelech. But God never said David. God said one of the sons of Yishai. You have to just imagine what happened. So he comes to the Yishai's household. He tells Yishai to have good news for you. God told me, to anoint one of your sons as the future king. Which son? I don't know. So he began to line up his sons. And one son was greater than the other. They were tall and they were they were intelligent. They looked like kings. Every son looked like a king. And one son passes by and God tells Sheol, not him. Another son walks by, not him. The phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, I don't know verbatim, is in the scripture what God told because they looked so kingly, and God says, don't judge them by the cover. In Yishai's mind, all of his sons passed already. Now there was David who was never treated like an equal son because Yishai thinks he's a mamzer. He was somewhere out doing what other of his servants were doing. He did not feel like a son. Parenthetically, for people who grew up in a very abusive home, you can still be great, you're not damaged goods because no one grew up in such a darkness like David. And Yishai was a tzaddik. We're not, Yishai thought, Yishai did not divorce his wife, Yishai did not disclose, but in his heart of heart, he knew that, 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 that David is a mamzik. When all of his sons went by the prophet and God told him, not him, not him, the other son, he tells Yishai, where's your other son? Yishai says, between me and you, I have no other sons. Shmuel says, no, you have another son. Maybe it's David. He began to rethink. Maybe, oh, maybe David. And David was brought in. And when David walks by, God tells Shmuel, it's him. Just imagine that. And he was anointed to be king. No. Shoal was king at that time. But the fact that God told the prophet, even in the life of Sheol, that some other person should become a king. So I want you to know, if you were to ask a question, who was the Jewish king? Well, you can't say that it was not David. There was an a actual king. Ask certain people in America, making just a, slide j- a joke over here. Who's the president? <laughs> Like, who was the king? It wasn't, you know, Shaul was the king, but Shaul was already destined to lose his kingship. He was already foretold that. David HaMelech was a king. I'm giving that background to appreciate that which happened. Shmuel passed away. Shmuel passed away. David is a king in the making. He had no throne. He had no army. He had no money. He had many loyal people around him. And they were spending some time in a region in Yehuda. And at that time, David had a distant relative, also from the house of Yehuda, a Jew by the name of Novel. You know, the word Novel means disgusting and his behavior was such. I'm repeating what Chazal said. He was blessed by God with everything you can imagine. He was wealthy, he was powerful, he was intelligent. Not only that, he had so many, he had so many animals. One of the ways you measured wealth then was by having heads of cattle is that the, the, the roaming uh, polishtim and the wild animals were constantly attacking his wealth. Marba Nechasim, Marba Daigov. You have many, many homes, you have many, many headaches. He had a lot of cattle, and a lot of it was being stolen. David, who was in the region of Novel, who witnessed Novel's loss of property, told his Chebra, guys, watch over Novel's animals, protect his uh, estate, and they did so. Let me ask you a halachic question. If someone is guarding your property even though you did not ask them, and you, the guard, saved them loss, are you obligated to compensate the guard? It's a halachic question. Let's say you, you, a person goes on vacation. They leave, and they ask no one to watch over their house. But someone knew that there is a BLM arch and there's going to be theft and robbery and violence and all types of terrible actions, and they guarded your house, and they protected your house from vandalism, and from theft, and from anything negative. You never asked them, but if not for them, not you, someone's house would have gotten burnt down. Does the house owner have the right halakhically to tell, does the guard have the right to tell the, uh, the house owner, listen, because of me, your, your house is not burned down, compensate me. A trick question. <laughs> so I want you to know that if I do something for you that you need, then there is a certain amount of compensation that I could demand of you. That's the Jewish law. I'm giving all this as background. He could to
1: demand, a- but
0: he doesn't owe you. No, 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 no. He should give some compensation. It's a question of how much compensation. I he had to. No, according to Allah, he has to. It's very rare where the guard can make a case that if not for me, your property would have gotten damaged. You can counter-argue. If you would not have been there, they would have passed over my house and burnt down the neighbor's house, as is their minute. They just picked random. They would have thought that a non-white person lives or whatever, however they were. Okay. So, so listen to this. So David HaMelech, for a long while, protected Novel's property. It was the eve of Rosh Hashanah. Another important halach, even though we have a mitzvah to give um, food packages on Purim, there is one other time that we are specifically told to provide others with food, Rosh Hashanah. It says, so anach, more than any other yontif. And on Rosh Hashanah, we should see to it that our fellow Jew has what to eat. David and his men are in the desert, they are literally dying from hunger. David reaches out then to Novel. And he doesn't reach out like a beggar. He tells Novel that it's tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. My men need provisions. We did a lot of uh, service for your estate. Please compensate us by giving us a certain amount of food. Novel was extremely wealthy. From any angle, someone is very wealthy and you're being asked for food. I think that people, even stingy people, food they give people that don't open up their pockets with money. Pasha, when you have a lot of food on your table and someone says we're dying from hunger, it has to be a very cool person not to share food. The guy's not gonna buy drugs with it. And you have excess. He was very wealthy, Noble. On top of the fact that they were relatives. On top of the fact that by, by halacha, Novel was, was owed it to David. And the most important is that David HaMelech was a king. He had the status of a king, even though he was a king without a throne and without a crown and without an army. But he was already anointed. Now, had Novel simply refused him, so shame on Novel. But what Novel did was, is that he refused David's messenger in a very disrespectful way. He said, "Who is this David? Who is the son of Yishai? Is it now the new common thing that slaves become like masters?" He called him a slave. So when David heard that response, David who was very humble. People should not get this wrong. David did not get defensive or reactionary and angry. How dare you? David felt that as a king, if someone is that disrespectful to a king, it's going to affect his monarchy. How can you rise to the throne if people are talking down the way Novel did? Now, if someone really rebels against a king, the halachi is they're put to death. David felt that he doesn't have the right to make that judgment because he has a conflict of interest, because he was the one that got insulted. So David says, I'm not going to give any rulings on this. He gathered his people. And some of them were very scholarly. And they passed the judgment that Novel has to be put to death. OK, that's the background to the story. Now, Abigail, the wife of Novel, the future wife of King David, found out that her husband was condemned to death and with tremendous wisdom and scholarship she is going now to the, to defend her husband and let me share you a little part of the story so the Gemara says how do we know that Avigail was a prophetess The it says that it says that she was riding on a donkey what's another thing what riding on the donkey she went ahead when she heard about this whole story they were so wealthy that she took provisions that no one would know would be missing from her home. Her husband wouldn't even know that she took it. There are Jews dying in the desert of hunger. They were dying of hunger, and she sent it. And the food was rushed to them. They got the food before she came. She didn't only do it to protect her husband, which she succeeded. She did it, Pashat people are dying. Forget about he's a king, forget about we owe the money, you don't owe money. When someone is saying, I'm in the desert, God, I mean, they were dying of hunger send them food she sent food now she's going to defend her husband so it says that she went riding on a donkey on a donkey B'Seyser Chahor said har means in the hidden part of the mountain so the Gemara interrupts the Gemara says why did scripture have to record that she went said Chahor no we, we know she went at night but she went in the in the, in the in the in the covert of the mountain, in the in the, in the hiddenness of the mountain. Why is that important? It doesn't say what color was the saddle, because who cares? If it's irrelevant, it's not going to be recorded. So the Gemara extrapolates. No, Sarahar is is telling us how she, with her chachma, interacted with David. Now, David HaMelech, wasn't only the Jewish king at this point without a crown, but he was destined to be a Jewish king just to know who he was. David HaMelech never built a palace for himself. You know why? Because he was not allowed to build a temple. And David HaMelech said, how am I gonna live in a fancy house when God is living in a tent? Mm-hmm. There was never a king that lived the way David HaMelech lived. He was the most humble of person. Mashiach will be like this. You know, Mashiach will be a king, but uh, humble. Dover HaMelech was the greatest Torah authority in his generation, which is very rare to have the head of a government to be also the head of the Sanhedrin. It happened with Mordechai many years later, which is very unusual. And by the way, Mardachai was demoted, can be both, either you're the head of the Jewish oral Torah or you're gonna be the head of the government. You don't have enough time to do both. Dover HaMelech learned at night and was busy governing during the day. He barely slept, these are unusual human beings. But you don't know about David and HaMalach, that it says that Adam, Adam has three letters, Aleph, Dalad, Mem. Aleph, Dalad, Mem is about the three greatest human beings that lived throughout the whole Jewish history. And that's Adam, David, and Mashiach. I want to just explain about the greatness of David. Okay, so David was the head of the Sanhedrin. If a married woman had a question whether the, the shade of the blood renders her a needle or not, he was the greatest master we ever had there was a story that, this is prior to him being king. He was sitting in the Beis HaMedrish and imagine, I mean, he was the head, the head court. So there was one day where 1,000 women showed him a mata to know whether they're neither or not. And every single one was okay. And the people there said, this is the Melech, and everyone is okay? They made us a cynical comment. So he says, he heard that, he says, you know what, let me say, that I'm going to give a brach that all of these women will conceive. And this will be the determination. If they'll give birth to a son, I was right. If they'll give birth to a daughter, I was wrong. People don't like the story, but that's what happened over here. And, and a thousand boys were born. I'm just saying he was the master. So what happened was, B'Seyser Serahar really means is that she understood that if she's gonna engage with King David by asking for mercy for her husband or any other approach, she might not succeed. But you know how she's gonna get him and she got him? She's gonna enter into a Torah scholarship discussion with him. She's gonna have a halachic discussion. And it so worked. So she went, she came to show him a question whether the blood renders her anida or not. Now there's more details in a moment. Now you have to know like this, that if, I mean, there are some times that it's not a question, even though always ask if you don't know. But whenever it's like a shade that is a little bit red, a little bit not, you need the shade of the sunlight. You're not allowed to look at it during at night, certainly then when they didn't have the types of electric illuminations which facilitate, not always, but facilitate. So she came and showed him a question to which she tells her that you're not allowed to take a look at this at night. It's in the said it's in the hidden, it's dark. Ah, she says, yeah, you can't look at it when it's dark. There was another halacha, that you're not allowed to condemn a person to death at night. The Sanhedrin cannot finalize a capital case when it's dark. But look how smart she was. She didn't right away challenge what he did. She didn't right away tell him, how can you passkin at night? All of this happened at night. They paskin that novel has to be put to death. She didn't tell me you can't do that at night. She could have, she did better. She wanted for him to say that certain halachas cannot be done at night. She said, ah, I have a, an amazing story that I heard from my father about my grandfather. My grandfather, who got married, in those days, you got married, first of all, he got engaged by him getting a letter, Mazel Tov, that he's engaged. That's how they got engaged in Poland. Then, after he got married, shortly afterwards, he went to Yeshiva, to Koilov for a long time. During that time, his first son was born. How did he find out? He got a letter. So he got a letter to notify him that you have a son. Thing is is that it was sensory in the, like in the government over here. So the Rosh Hashiba would check all the mail. He's married. So his, the Rosh HaKoyle tells my the Mazel you have a son? He says he was so angry about the invasion and privacy. He was very smart. So he asked him from which wife?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, understand Jewish law. By Jewish law, before a thousand years ago, with the consent, with the consent, one was allowed to marry, even though it wasn't that common, you were allowed to marry two wives, but there was this great Rabbeinu Gershin who made three big bans that we are bound by. Cherim. One is, you cannot marry two wives at the same time. God forbid, if a person loses a wife, they can get remarried, but you can't be married at the same time. There's another ban that you're not allowed to read other people's mail. That's, that was his ban. There's a whole story about that. So he tells us a shashiva, which wife? So he looks at him. He was shocked. He says, which wife? de <laughs> Gershon. Ah, he tells him, ah, cheyrem de Rabbeinu Gershon. you can't read my mail. In the same you way, know, you get someone that way. You get them to, uh, to say a, a halakha. Eh? So she says, ah, you can't judge this at night? So he says, how can you judge capital cases at night? Oh, so he was very impressed with that. So he wanted to know what she wants. So she tells him, "You judged my husband to death at night." So David Amalek said, "But that's extraordinary because he is a moided That means that he is a traitor to the crown. He made a what's called he's guilty because of sedition, and that could be judged that night." So she told him, "Not so simple." She told him that Sheol is still the king. She told him that you're not a proper monarch yet. She told him that you did not mint coins. Interesting. It's one of the uh, manifestations of a ruler, of a governor of a country is that they have their own coinage, according to Allah. If you don't yet have your own um, financial system, then how are you a king? How are you a government? So she began to point out to him that it's debatable whether you're a king yet or not. And therefore, what my husband did is not necessarily moited b'malchus. He's talking not nice, he was cruel, he should have helped you, all of that. You can't judge him to death. And he accepted that. He accepted that, he withdrew that ruling. The problem is, is that not only did he accept it, but that was his humility. It takes a great person to admit that, hey, you're right, I'm wrong. And he tells you, blesses your reasoning, he blessed her seicha. Uberuhaat, and blessed be you, Asha Kilisini Hayoy Mazer, who has prevented me today, mi boy bedamin, from coming into bloods. Now the literal is is that she was right. You can question mark his status of a king then. So novel was not a real. He was not guilty of sedition, which is debatable. Aside of the fact that you shouldn't on that at night. And therefore, you can't judge him to death. And had David killed him, then he would have been guilty of murder. But it, he said that you, Avigail, prevented me from coming into bloods. What does that mean? So here the Gemara says what really happened was like this. Now, this, None of this is written in scripture. But this is our tradition and it's hinted to over here. Is that when Abigail was coming to David, now let me put this in context and it's something that, that it, we have to be very careful. People should be very careful how they speak about David Ramallah. For some reason, the few things that people know about Davar Hamelech is that he failed with Batsheva. Well, on, for his level, it was a failing. And he did Shuva his whole life for that. He said that. Dabar Hamelech was a prophet. And Dabar Hamelech knew with his prophecy that he will have children with Bacheva. When he saw Batsheva, he didn't he saw the children, which is Shloima, that he has to have with her. Similarly, Dover HaMelech after Noble passed away, married Abigail, and he knew as a prophet that he will have children with her. So when she was approaching David before she began to interact with him, David HaMelech saw her, and, and he made an advance on her. Yes? I
1: know that the was his soulmate. She was his soulmate.
0: David had many soulmates. No,
1: no, no, but but because
0: uh, what happened with Oriachiti? Okay, let's not. I don't want to speak about. I want to speak about Avigal. Just that's okay. the story. The story was is that when she came, he he saw her and, and he knew that he he will be married to her. And what she told him, and that's how we know she's a prophet. She tells him loy tih la This. Meaning, me, I don't want to be the stumbling block before you. This is way before Batsheba. If we will have a relation now, it will be sinful. Now, he didn't know yet who she is. He knew that he's going to be married to her. Now we know she was still married Novel was alive. He only discovered later that she's Novel's wife. But when she told him that this, meaning me, I don't want to be your stumbling block, What she was implying is that there'll be another woman that will be your stumbling block. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it to be me. Mm -hmm. That's the source that the Gemara brings from where we know that she was a prophetess. Mm -hmm. Now I want to say the following. Like we did in the prior classes. What is unique about this story about Abigail? Something very relatable. And that is, is that she was extremely scholarly the back and forth that she had with him wasn't just these two lines. She was very learned, she was mamish learned, and she engaged with him in a tighter discussion. I want you to know, Bacchal, that when people speak with each other, when they learn together, they form a beautiful, unique bond. This is not only with uh, with Chavedim or Chavedois, but teacher and student, parents with children. If you will choose to learn tighter with your children, there is a unique, it, it's It's a special type of relationship. It's a Torah relationship. But let me just share like this, that when we're speaking about prophecy, ultimately the goal is to be connected to Hashem. The highest level is the level of prophecy. We connect to God when we do mitzvahs. We connect to God when we do chesed. We connect to God when we are here for our families. There are many ways of connecting to Hashem, but I want to focus on the special connection that we form with God through Torah that ishur derech of prophecy was through scholarship. Not that scholarship is prophecy. Actually, many people can learn a lot of Torah and, God forbid, be very distant from God. The Gemara says that. Torah can become a potion of poison. Especially if people think that the whole Torah is this intellectual exercise and I enjoy the questions and answers. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But if you think that's it, then it disconnects you from God. The Torah has in it the light of Hashem. You know what the word Torah means? Now, Torah means guidance. The word Torah is Oira with a Tav. It's light. The light of God. There's a light in the Torah. Now, most of us during Golas are unable to experience the light. At least we can learn it. But it's very important for us to remember that it goes beyond what we're learning doesn't matter the topic doesn't matter whether it's relevant doesn't matter whether it was interesting whether we understood more whether we understood less Torah yid learns Torah to connect to Hashem that's why we make a bracha before we learn the Torah so it shouldn't because many people love learning for people who love learning for them what I'm saying is even more important because then they can make a mistake they can do it because it's Geshmark. It's like people who eat the most tasty foods on Shabbos and they say L'shem Shabbos Kodesh and they think it's L'shem Shabbos Kodesh. There's nothing wrong. They're not doing a sin. But don't kid yourself. You're not doing it L'shem Shabbos You're doing it because you enjoy eating. You know how you know the food is L'shem Shabbos Kodesh? It says in the, in, in the halacha, when you eat Shalashudas, when you're full. That's L'shem Shabbos Kodesh. No, You're not enjoying it. You don't need to eat anymore. Or the meaning today is that every yantav meal is like 80 meals together. So by the time the next meal comes around, you're, you're pushed in pain. I'm not saying that that's correct. It should not be that way. But then when you eat it, it's tak It's a mitzvah. Because you would not eat it if not for yantiv. When people who don't like learning, for them it's easier. Because then why are they doing it? Because it's a mitzvah. Many people love learning. Their unique challenge is that they have to make sure that when they're learning, they're not doing it just because they like it you can like it you can like it but it's not about it's about connecting to hashem and people who learn a lot of taita with the deep desire to connect to god are people that have more prophetic insights i'm not speaking about that they become prophets but they get they get something they have some, some koyach that they get dakka through taita and i think abigail represents such a type of navi that her koyach of prophecy was because she was extremely learned And the end of the story, just to know was, is that Novel passed away a few months later because he was, in the eyes of God, guilty of sedition. And it's not like ungodly people think that the only justice system happens in the justice system. No. Justice happens by God. Sometimes people merit to carry out the justice. When a Yid loses a court case, even in a basin, doesn't mean any, it should not bother you. Where is justice? God is the judge. We have a responsibility to be God's arm to the limited degree that we could. And many times we make mistakes. We should just do the best we could. We should never be concerned about justice because God is a judge. God judged him. So David HaMelech did not execute him. Better, better that way. God, Novel did not live for more than a few months and David HaMelech was so impressed with Abigail and also he knew when he saw her that he's destined to have children. So she became one of his one of his wives. And that's the story with Abigail. What? What's your question? I'm sorry, I interrupted you before. You had a question. Um, just, you
1: said that David Amalfi made a move on um, Abigail. Yes. He saw that she was going to be the mother of his children. Yep. Um, so I'm just trying to understand that, because like, in, in those days, just to figure out some context, if they were to be the intimate, there was still a need of or, but how it, even if he saw it with Midwood, she's supposed to have children how does he know that she's not Anita how does she know, he know that she's not married so I want to
0: answer part of your question When so that back and forth about the dumb was was part of that discussion that she's Anita so at what and, 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 and one second so friends. one second because because she thought that she might have spotted and when she showed and she and she told him take a look Maybe, maybe I'm not. She was genius. And, when, and, be, and he tells her, I, I can't, look, I can't look. look, it's at night. Ah, and you can judge a person to death at night? No, mm-hmm. it's the broader conversation. She went there to save her husband. He approached her by seeing that he's gonna marry her. Each one had their own agenda. Now, regarding just to know, regarding chupa, of course you have to do chuppah. He would have married her if she would have been single. Then he would have married her right then, not right then, like right then. He would have gotten the chaver. They would have given the kedushan, They were them, They would have made a chupa and they would have would have made a marriage ceremony.
1: Then why
0: would that have? One second. One second. I wanna. I I, I I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Why did I not answer your question? So you said
1: that he. Made her and she responded, I Move on like, her means means
0: means about. let I want I want to marry you. It wasn't like
1: I want to take you
0: down. Well, if he would if if she would have been available, he probably would have consummated the marriage that night with chuppah and kedushin and a Suuda mitzvah and a dance and a mitzvah dance. In other words, just to make it clear that even though the, the way of the world right now is that even after a couple decides to get married, there is some time that goes by for preparation. It doesn't need to be that way. There has to be tahara, chupa, and kedushan.
1: Yeah,
0: if is she already to One second. She would need to count
1: seven days.
0: If she would already would have been to hayda, she would not need to count seven days. If she already counted why, why seven why days. She be with that's a very good question.
1: Okay. I, I, okay. The and
0: well, I would say I would, say, I would sure. say like this that that when she showed him the blood, he could have he could have told her why why do you even have this. But he didn't say that. Why do you even have, this? Why do you even have a a Shileth? He presumed that she's single. When she showed the blood, he should have told a single woman. Why do you have this? But he did not respond that he, he wanted to educate her. He says, at night you can't look. She got him with that.
1: She wasn't covering her hair? There must have been a look of a married woman. That's maybe okay. they all out- covered their hair? I was going no, to because, because the point of covering, I mean, there's a look for married women I'm sure they had back then as
0: well. Maybe not at night. And, maybe, saying, not, and maybe not for someone on the caliber of Dover Hamelah who had a relation with his, with his wife that he was married to for all these years. And he, and he thought that he was having a relation with his new wife. So that tells you something about when people don't understand Yaakov with Rachel and Leah, he was that type of person. No, he, would, he did not know that. What he saw, he saw a woman that he's destined to marry. And when she came with Tashayla, he right away he told her, oh, you can't do this at night.
1: So she was his first wife?
0: She was not his first wife.
1: And how was his first wife.
0: was <laughs> one of his wives.
1: So, and how many? Rabbi
0: had, had a total of 18 wives.
1: And which of the children are they
0: known that had uh, that he had with Abigail? You, what, do I remember the names of the children? No, I'm but saying are g- they, Google it. They, sure, so sure. I'm saying are
1: there
0: stories like it's the children? Sure,
1: sure. The children? Great sure.
0: sure. children. children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Is this and Abigail, a prophet and a prophetess. Right. You never know but then came out, okay.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: Atza Maitzah is a gemara that after a person got married, they would ask him... Yeah, but this one
1: she saved, but there was other stories about how one saved her husband and the
0: other... Correct, correct. So here she correct. She saved her noble husband. She saved him yeah. from David HaMelech or from his based He didn't help him because because he was, he, he was guilty of sedition.
1: Why do you think she came on a donkey and had a horse, especially if they had so much money that's so demeaning?
0: I, I, would, I would, I'm guessing now, that we find such an expression only by tzaddikin and tzedkaniyas, because the word chamoy comes from the root choimer, has been know in Hasidus, means materiality, and there are, for non-tzaddikin, for people like us, we know that there's a Yetzir so we have to be a little bit cautious, or very cautious, because who says we'll get the better of our lower part, maybe that will get the better of us great tzaddikim reached the level, there are different people, that they completely transformed and they are riding under donkey. The Mashiach is riding on a donkey, or Moshe was riding on a donkey, or his wife was on a donkey, this is an expression we find to allude probably that people should not misconstrue the story. Whatever happened, it was an interaction of two very great people, but she got him through Torah, and that was something that he was not expecting was not expecting to have, and it wasn't just a simple back and forth. It was probably a very scholarly topic about Mm halachis. They probably were debating this question, whether if someone guards someone else's property. All all, all of this was part of the discussion. And he was definitely very intrigued that you have a woman that was not, it was not common for someone to be so scholarly. And he met as a woman, he he was uh, having a whole halachic discussion. This is Meseftus Megillah. And where are we up to guys? So we're up to Chuldah, and then Esther. And also just to, I'll just share the story of Huldah. It's fascinating stories. Abigail for sure, that Rebbe wanted so much for women to learn Torah. The Rebbe spoke to, to, to other great Jewish leaders. I'm going back to the 60s to the 70s. This is way beyond Besyakov. Yaakov. And the Rebbe's will is coming into fruition more and more not only by the modern orthodox that are learning Torah the same even by the Haredim which we are very defensive good, in a good way we are very careful not to make any changes but
1: don't they use,
0: like, right? they're learning everything and, and all the yeshivas not even by us they're teaching more mishnah for those who want I'm saying it's, it's, it's a they never wanted that When Mashiach will come, the woman will be just as learned. You have in in certain families amongst the Jewish people, I mentioned this, the maharal of Prague's wife, Frida, they say was more learned than the maharal, and that's a very big statement. That every time he wrote a halachic responsa, the final person to overlook it was his wife. And there's a tradition that she caught three mistakes, and some people know what they are.
1: What about Rashi's daughters?
0: Rashi's daughters were very learned, yeah. Mm -hmm. They didn't wear tefillin, but they were very learned.
1: They
0: didn't? No, that's a... That's a part of a story. That's a made-up story. Michal really? Triple- wore tefillin. That says clearly in Nach, she wore tefillin. Michal <coughs> wore tefillin. the so, Rashi's daughters, not only did they learn a lot, but they taught. They became great teachers. And it was, that was, it was very rare, even today. So they would put up some sort of mechitza, and they would teach. And who do you think taught, taught her her children? She taught them. Rashi's grandchildren were the greatest uh, authors of Tosfos, minimizing their father. You know, Yochveit, the most famous one, married Meir, and they had I mean, the greatest, the greatest scholars of the time. Giants of scholars and Sadiqim, but they got this from uh, from the mom. Was, Bruria wasn't only learned, but Bruria was known because she was very uh, outspoken. Mm. She was very outspoken. The, another woman of the Talmud that's very known is Yalta. No, it's, we have, but it's rare, just a percent. You have a few women that are quoted, Bruria taught halachas, the, the Gemara quote, the teachings of Bruria. Yeah,
1: like, that, that you sh- learned that in brachas. that's a
0: terrible ending you don't have to yeah, share she... that story now it's going to be a big down <laughs> mm-hmm. in other words listen great... no, she fell into the
1: mistake because of her knowledge
0: no don't know. we don't look at it that way Brorje was very scholarly and like every other person she made a mistake and uh, she had a very sad passing mm-hmm. but so did Rabbi Yechonen so did I'm saying other you have you have I'm sure someone wrote a book I don't know where you about the woman in the Talmud you have a few women that uh, that taught Torah The most famous teaching of Ruria is that today, yesterday was Rosh in we say in She made the sinners be, uh, and they, no more sinners in the land. So she told her husband that it doesn't say that the sinners should be done with, that the sins should be done with. Don't, don't daven for them to have a downfall, daven for them to do tshuva. That we learn from Ruria. And it's recorded in the Gemara that became part of Torah. That was her teaching.
1: It says like the father the shouldn't end. teach his daughter.
0: That's only one opinion. That's only one opinion. It's so funny that, you know, there's so many opinions recorded in, in the Mishnah. It's, it's wrong, Bacchal, to, to base it on one opinion. And even according to that opinion, the Rabbi spoke about this. It was that if you're living at a time that women were not lettered, they were not taught that type of logic, if that was the norm, then he felt that you should not do so. And the Rebbe argued that, in, and now, day and age, the Rebbe argued this already in the 50s, the fact that all women are getting educated. So if they're getting educated, they, first and foremost, they should learn uh, the oral title. Women always learn. We're speaking about this type of uh, the, the, the legal system. Not every woman wants to become a lawyer. But if you're going to become a lawyer, you might as well learn the Gemara. That's what the Rebbe wanted. Not, okay. That everybody felt that it's an obligation. It should be as an option. That means that if you, if you, or if your daughters, if they would like, if they enjoy this part of the Torah, so 50 years ago, 100 years ago, they were unable to access it. Now, if you want to learn, no one is saying that they have to go 14 years to yeshiva. But if they so enjoy, it's important to have, and these options are are available online today. That's the MS. That now everything is equal. Everyone can learn it online, and even in the yeshivas. <laughs> For Gemara, if I can sell my class, we have almost the whole Talmud up already on Chabad.org.
1: Can we join the
0: you can join the Dafa Yoimi. We always had women joining our Dafa Yoimi. Yeah. yeah, even on the WhatsApp. If they go Igam every day, you can join the WhatsApp also. Okay, so there you go. So we're, we're in the middle of Sukkah. All right, Yidin, Lachayim. So next week, we're going to go to wow. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Ah. The this is just a Jewish history class it's good to know um, by
1: the way I was thinking she could have had a child and she could have been single How oh. like before her wedding
0: could be oh, very good very good no it could be that she was going to marry someone else she wasn't married yet yeah. could be very good good thought Robin the beauty was is that his first response was it's at night that's it then he was finished then she got it in a yeshiva setting, it's so good. Like ah, when you see two people debating, she bested him. She she got the better of him. I you not talk everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much.